Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Sophia Cottle and this is my friend and associate Matt Kreiner and we are here today to kick off our first podcast um, called Sex and the Bull City and we're really excited to be here with you guys today so let's hear a hello from Matt. Absolutely, first episode. Yeah, it's yeah, exciting. yeah, we're pretty excited, we're pretty stoked. And so um, what we do at For Sex in the Bull City is we are a practice in Durham, North Carolina called Bull City Psychotherapy. And we specialize in sex addictions, sex therapy, multiple addictions, and just lots of different things that, that we do to serve our clients, clients' needs. Um, today we're just going to talk with you about who we are, um, what we do, and um, just give you a little flavor of, of what our podcast is going to be like in the coming weeks, months, and hopefully years. So um, a little bit about us. So again, we're uh, Bull City Psychotherapy here in Durham, North Carolina. We also have another practice in Wilmington and another one coming soon in Apex here in North Carolina. Um, so where do we get our name? So Sex in the Bull City, I'm sure that everyone knows the HBO show Sex in the City. And so that's one place that we, we got our name. And then also um, a really great movie from the 80s, I think, Bull Durham. And so Bull Durham is a movie that was actually filmed here in Durham. And a lot of my friends were actually in the movie, which is really cool. Yeah, I uh, wish as yeah. many people knew about that movie as know about Sex and the City. Like, it's yeah. that fun of a movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. And um, so that's kind of where we got our name here for... Um, Sex in the Bull City and also Bull City Psychotherapy. Um, we kind of want to embrace the, the culture and town that we're in and let everybody know about it. And we're, we're a great place and we have a, a lot of great people here. And if you come to, to the mothership, to our home office, the first thing you're going to see when you walk in is Bessie, our big painting of the bull. Yeah, we have a lot of, a lot of Durham memorabilia here. We have a lot of bull things happening here. And so we kind of, I kind of like to think about it like we really tackle recovery like with the strength of a bull. And so I really like thinking about recovery that way and really giving recovery our all. And so again, here at Bull City and here on this podcast, this is going to be primarily um, addiction focused. We do specialize in sex addiction. Again, we treat multiple addictions. But we also have two sex therapists here in the practice, myself and another associate, Jeff. And we are very interested in helping people learn about healthy sex and, and you know, have, have healthy, great, fun sex lives. So we're really trying to tackle both sides of the coin here, not discriminating against anyone and being very sex positive, um, meeting people's needs wherever they are on that continuum. And we just want to be able to help people and hoping that this podcast can be helpful as well. So for our podcast, today we're going to just get to know each other so that we can demonstrate to you who we are. And Matt and I are going to start that in a minute. But I also want to let y'all know that, again, we're here to serve you. And so we're going to be giving y'all an email address soon so that y'all can email us hot topics and questions, and then we're gonna address those in future podcasts. So today, we're just gonna do a little bit of a fun interview session between me and Matt, and um, I'm going to get started, if that's okay, Matt, if I can start with my first question for you. Sure. Um, so I've told, us, told everybody a little bit about what we specialize in, and I wanna know, Matt, um, 
what got you interested in working in the specialty of sex addiction? Yeah, yeah, I like to be really honest about about this part of my story. Um, so, you know, when I was coming out of grad school to do this work, I was already um, an addict in recovery. Um, for me, that you know, my issue was alcohol. Right, but so that was important to me. You know, uh, my 12-step work had saved my life. You know, I had I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about um, how we make progress with these you know, psychological and life goals that we have. So, coming out of school, I had all that experience behind me, um, and I still had no real intention of specializing in serving folks who struggle with addiction. Right, that just wasn't a, a, a named goal of mine. Um, and then you and I got connected and we started talking a little bit more and I started, you know, uh, treating more addicts. And then you said, you know, there's this actually, there's kind of a niche within the addiction world um, that, that deals with, with people who are, are struggling with sex addiction. And I was like, that sounds really specialized, Sophia. I was like, I don't know if that's me. Right? But you said, so go to this training and just see what you think about it, see how it goes. And, and I did. And it really, like, it feels kind of so serendipitous. Like, it wasn't really planned for me. It was just kind of that organic, the way it evolved. And it has just become a labor of love ever since. Um, any fears I had leading into, like, is addiction too specialized or is, like, a particular type of addiction too specialized, any of those fears have totally been put to rest because everybody's story is so rich and it's so their own. Um, the way addiction impacts a family system is, is such a, a big deal. Um, so the, the deeply held honor that, that, and the privilege we have to walk with folks who struggle with sex addiction um, gives us the chance to, um, to help them find recovery, to help them you know, live, live the life that, that they desire to live. And it gives us a chance to work with their partners, gives us a chance to work with their families. I mean, the work is, I became real passionate real fast about something that I didn't even know I was interested in, you know, a couple months before. So that's kind of how it evolved for me. Nice. Okay, yeah, I remember that, and um, I remember you were you started out um, running the partners group, and that was really a, that's a nice place to start. So, and you still do run our partners groups and um, do a great job at that. So, yeah, thanks for um, thanks for explaining to everybody a little bit about about who you are, um, and then I also want to know what do you hope to be able to offer this podcast? Yeah. Absolutely. So, speaking of you know specialties on specialties, I the, most of my time, uh, if, if we're dividing it up in that way, is even spent within the space of addiction with with the partners, right? So, one thing I'd like to to hopefully offer is to kind of hold some space for for that experience of how how addiction can impact um, the the partners of addicts, right? Um, and you know, I like to you know I'm I don't know any other way. I show up as me, you know, whether I'm in the therapy room or at out around with the kids or at the gym or whatever that's just me so I hope to bring me to the podcast I'm going to talk about my experience as a clinician I'm going to talk about my experience as an addict um, and just and hopefully you know have some fun along the way so that's that's my plan that's just to uh, tell folks get get you know it sounds a little self-centered to say get to know me but honestly it's really about helping folks get to know um, the incredible people that we get to work that's that's what really this this whole thing. This is not my first career. It's another thing we'll talk more about. I'm sure is is uh, you know I have I have a finance background before I even realized I was kind of called to this space. And um, this whole thing is a labor of love for me. I I get to know people and work with people that just their courage and, and their grace and their stories just blow my mind every day. So through some of this podcast work, I hope to share their stories and share their messages of hope and strength and recovery. Um, 
this video. Nice. And I want to pick up on something you said. You said the word fun. And um, I'm a work hard, play hard. Um, Wiz Khalifa, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm a work hard, play hard kind of girl and, and boss and co-worker and therapist and just person. And so we like to have fun here in our practice. Um, you know, we can only have people that, that we really can get along together and be light, but also do the serious work of, of therapy and, and recovery. But in this podcast, this is a very real um you know, very, very true to form of who I am and who Matt is podcast. We're not coming in here completely scripted at all. This is going to be a free-flowing um, session today and from here forward where you're really going to be hearing the real us and the experts that we are in our field, but also just the people who are are both um, in their own recovery process as well. Um, so this, we will have fun in this podcast and we're going to have great people join us also that will interview and have a good time with them also. So um, that's great that you brought up fun. And I have one more question for you, Matt. And I was hoping that you could, because this is a question we get a lot from a lot of people, especially partners um, that, that you work with. What's the difference in your mind? Um, how can you help explain what the difference is between process addictions or behavioral addictions and substance or chemical addictions? Yeah, I'm glad we're making some time in this first podcast to talk about you know a couple of just big questions in the work because to me this this is the sort of question that we could spend we could do like a separate like a series within the podcast on right we could do three or four episodes on the differences between substance and behavioral addictions and, and how we treat those things and how it shows up for people but the, the I guess two things jump out to me right off the bat the first is. Um, Let's just take as representative examples. Let's say for substance, we'll talk about alcohol, and for process, behavioral addictions, we'll talk about sex addiction. Um, I, I can speak firsthand. My, my alcohol addiction devastated my family, devastated my partner. Um, it was it was brutal. It almost took down my marriage and almost it took took my life. Um, so it's it's not that it's it's fun by any means. Um, and I think that's true for any addiction. By the time somebody finds their way into one of our rooms, it's like my life has become unmanageable. The pain has reached a level that I just don't know what to do anymore. Tried everything else. So um, it, it's, it's a brutal experience, right? But the, the pain that I have um, been, been honored to witness the, is, is different when we think about how, how my behaviors with alcohol, let's just take it from my spouse's point of view. From, from my, my partner's point of view, it was it was devastating, but I was kind of cheating. The way I kind of sum it up is I was cheating on her with a substance, cheating on her with a bottle, right? The, our intimate partners can hurt us like no one else can. So when we talk about the difference between like alcohol and sex addiction, the kind of um, damage it, it can inflict on a, a coupleship, type of damage it can inflict on a family system is different in that way. That, that sense of, of betrayal trauma, that experience of ambiguous grief. You know, these things are big, big deals, and it does feel different when um, the, the behaviors are, are, are different in that way. It's between a substance and another human being, right? So that's the, one of the first things that jumps into my mind is how it affects um, not only the addict, but the partners and, and the family system. Um, and then the next thing that comes up to me is, uh, you know, there's, I know, I know you're, you're the LPC, I'm the LCSW, um, so I, you know, and there's a lot of crossover there, we like to give each other a hard time, but one of the things that's going to jump out to me is this kind of systemic view, right, about how the stigma associated with, with addiction in general, and then substance versus behavioral, and the 
way I'll highlight that is I'm a huge, I'll start in an in a, un, un, um, <laughs> unexpected place, I'm a massive Allison Janney fan because I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan from, from the West Wing days, right? And I know, I've only seen a couple episodes, but I know Allison Janney is on a really popular sitcom, it's like primetime, Thursday nights or whatever on CBS called Mom. And I've seen a couple episodes, the two main characters of that sitcom go to AA meetings regularly. Right, so when that, that, that was not possible 20 years ago. So I mean, we've come a long way in, in normalizing and, and dropping some of the stigma associated with, with substance addictions and, and finding recovery. Um, we don't have sitcoms like that for sex addiction yet. Right? And, and that's something that we need to change. So when you ask what's the difference between substance and behavioral, like I said, the first thing that jumps out to me is the kind of, of pain that it can, it can inflict on a family. And the second thing that jumps out to me is the sort of kind of public perception and the stigma of it all. Um, it's just different in those ways. Now there's a lot more probably that's similar about the two than is different, but those are the two big things that jump out to me off the top. Yeah, that, I think that's really good. I might add something if we're just having a, a quick conversation about it um, without getting too technical. Um, there's a lot of people that don't believe that sex can be an addiction. Um, and you know, the way I think about that is, in my mind, it's, it's clear that they've never seen someone who compulsively is looking at porn and masturbating and, and forgetting about the rest of, of their life. Um, you know, that, that absolutely sex can be an addiction that will be in the next DSM. Um, there's already been several papers um, written in acceptance of that. And so, you know, this, this is a thing just like how, you know, 40 years ago, alcoholism was absolutely not considered an addiction. And now we know different. And so thank goodness um, for research, because that's how we get to learn more about different things that, that, that are out there, different diagnoses, and we're just you know, very much at the tail end of that, that phase um, for sex addiction. So, um, you know, it, there, there are substance and chemical addictions, there are process addictions, other process addictions are something like gambling or eating disorders. So these are all things that, that have been proven and now sex is just here one of, one of the last, but um, absolutely one of the most important. Um, it's, it's really, really important. This is where I'm really interested in is for each individual to, to really be able to tease out what's healthy for him or her. Um, what are behaviors that are that are not great for them to be doing potentially and then what are behaviors that are safe and that can be considered healthy sex and and so um, I think that those are just some really big differences between process and chemical addictions likely um, many alcoholics I mean the way AA works I'm sure a lot of people know is you really don't reintroduce alcohol back into your life you know after you know a year or five years it's it's just not a safe thing sex because it's a behavior Behavior that is actually quite healthy, and so can masturbation be. Um, these are things we really want to try to find ways that you know what is healthy for us. So again, those are the differences between, in my mind, process and chemical addictions for food. If we're talking about anorexia or bulimia, we we all have to eat, so we've got to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food. Okay, Matt, that's lovely. Um, I think that those are good. Like I'm I'm getting a good good taste of like how you tick and so I appreciate you sharing that with us um, I am happy to answer any questions happy to, to give a, a brief version of my story if, if that's helpful or whatever you want to ask me I'm, I'm an open book 
yeah, you know, we've we've had the pleasure of, of being friends and colleagues for a while now, but I'm, I'm sure I'll learn something new. If, uh, so let, let's hear a little bit about your story. What brought you to the work? Yeah, let me, let me share a little bit. So um, I've been doing the work of therapy for over 20 years, really about 22 years. Um, I'm 48 years old, so um, I'm, I don't consider myself old, but I've been doing this a long time. Um, I started out working with kids and sex offenders. So um, young adults and sex offending behavior, and that's where my first research was. Um, did that for several years, worked in the prisons, and did a lot of really cool, interesting work. Um, that evolved, I've worked in the school system, I've worked in agencies, I've had a private practice since like 19, I don't know, I'm sorry, yeah, 1998 or 2000, I've had a private practice, and did that very part-time. Um, I have also been in therapy this is a story I tell when I do my weekly meeting on in the room so I'm pretty comfortable telling it at this point um, I'm in several fellowships um, Al-Anon, CODA, um, more recently SLAA and now ACA Adult Children of Alcoholics and starting when I was 15 I started therapy really off and on in my life but mostly on and um, I learned a lot about codependency um, I come from a big, crazy, very codependent Greek family. So um, I don't know if y'all have ever seen my big fat Greek wedding, but that was basically like my first marriage. Um, everything was pretty, pretty okay in my family at that point, or so I thought. Um, as the years have gone on, um, I've you know, really realized how incredibly sick and unhealthy my family of origin is. Um, so that work has gotten pretty deep and then came to understand that I've got a lot more issues than I had realized. This is several years ago. Um, interestingly enough, when I went to my first mod for um, sex addiction to be a CSAT, um, I had no idea that I was a raging love addict and was currently acting out. And um, that was a huge, huge rude awakening for me to realize that I was a sex and love addict. So since then, um, I've really been focusing and I've, I've changed my, my career path and rebranded and started working full-time in this field and um, have really been enjoying myself and certainly recovery is great and it's super helpful and enlightening and, and great for my family as well. Um, I'm pretty open about this and happy to um, talk about it whenever. But um, that's how I got into this work. It was really by accident. Um, I probably would have never known if my girlfriend didn't tell me that um, it sounded interesting and I should at least go to the first mod, and so I did. But it was she actually probably saved my life at the same time, and and doesn't even really didn't even have any idea that's what she was doing. So um, you know, we'll also do a lot of talking about sex and love addiction, not just sex addiction. We'll also do a lot of discussing about female sex and love addiction can can present quite differently than the typical case of sex addiction that we might see frequently with males. So um, that's just a little bit about me. I also do um, some original research about ambiguous grief, which is the grief we feel when we lose someone or something um, who, who's, who is still living. So that could be in the case of addiction. Um, when, when there's an addict in our life, they change before our eyes and they're not the same person. That's ambiguous grief. No one has died, but that person is lost. 
um, unless they find recovery. Ambiguous grief is also present in the case of Alzheimer's, um, those kinds of things. So um, we'll talk more about that whenever that's whenever that comes up. Um, but that's just a little bit about me and how I got into this. Yeah, thanks for that. Mm-hmm. That's just great stuff. Powerful. Your experience going on. So you tossed me over just a real big meaty question about the difference between you know, substance and behavioral addictions. And I want to take a chance with it with a few minutes left in our first episode to kind of toss one your way. Okay, so let, let, me, let me kind of frame it this way. I guess I can make it real simple. So let me, let me just toss it over to you. What are your thoughts regarding pornography? And more specifically, can porn be healthy for some people? Okay, that's a really great question, and I certainly get asked that all the time by um, several of my male clients. Um, and you know, as someone who works as a sex addiction therapist, but but also sex therapist, um, I'm kind of in in both camps and can definitely see um, both sides of the coin as far as the answers go. So. Um, for some people, um, people who are raging sex addicts who have been looking at porn maybe since they were, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, and porn is their only means and method of becoming aroused, or people who have developed um, erectile dysfunction or simply cannot engage in any kind of sexual behavior without porn being a part of it. Um, most likely what I find in my work is those are people where where porn cannot be healthily reintroduced into their life, even in recovery. I'm certainly not saying that those people don't exist on the planet, so if you're one of those people, you know, hats off to you, but I'm talking about the people that I come in contact with. I've never seen that be able to work for people who are highly addicted to porn and masturbation as a very isolating behavior. Now, however, there are plenty of people I do work with who um, might be more on the antisocial side of personality traits, um, people who are not easily aroused sexually, people who may have um, a lot of discomfort being sexual, then I have certainly um, used porn in, in our therapy um, work so that porn can be something that people look at um, to get aroused if it's something that arouses them and if they're comfortable with it. Um, there are plenty of, of people I know that that is very helpful for. Now the way we use that is we don't sit and look at porn for like an hour or two hours. We look at porn for a very short specific amount of time so it's not like we're going to watch a whole like you know porn movie you know a whole video or something we're going to look at it for like you know maybe 30 seconds maybe maybe five minutes if they really need to um so it's a very controlled exercise um and again there may be people that can look at porn um i think there's plenty of people that can look at porn um on their own very infrequently that that do not become porn addicts um i think that the key word there though is infrequently and so that's different for everybody. So yes, I do think porn can be healthy for some people. I just think it's very important when you're traveling down that path to have a responsible person helping you 
process through it because porn is a really easy thing to become addicted to. The brain gets addicted very quickly to porn. I mean, it, it's looking that way with with PET scans and, and research. So we, with addictions, we can trick ourselves constantly saying, oh no, everything's fine, I'm totally good. So I just think it's important to have, have somebody helping you, whether it be a partner or a therapist or an accountability partner, sponsor, whatever it might be, um, that's just a, a slippery slope that I think is helpful to have, have, someone, have someone be your partner in that because, because porn is very isolating. And so if we're just doing that by ourselves and it's like, oh, I'm just looking at porn every now and then, but I'm the only one who knows about it, that is that is a tricky place to be. So um, anyway, that's those are just sort of my my general thoughts about that question. Good good question, Matt. Like, yeah. can we use porn healthily? I appreciate the way you talk about that because I think it shines a light on um, just how complicated this topic is and how nuanced human beings are, and that it, it's okay. You know, for us in this work, we we get comfortable with the, with the basic answer of it depends. It depends on what the context is, what the circumstances are for the person. Yeah, everybody's different, and um, part of part of our work is being able to honor everyone's differences and seeing what works for each individual. We are we are all different, and we've got to figure out um, what works for this person or that person. Not not everybody's the same. Um, I think we're just about finished for our first episode. Think Anything so. that we need to cover, Matt? You think we're good? I think we did it. Hopefully, we we conveyed the tone. You know the message that we're here we're going to talk about serious stuff we're going to talk about playful stuff you know sex is really fun sex addiction can be really painful mm-hmm. um, we're going to talk about all of it and um, we're going to have some fun along the way they're going to hear plenty from us mm-hmm. listeners are going to hear plenty from other people yep. right other experts other yep. friends and colleagues doing the work um, so i'm excited to get rolling yeah me too thanks everybody we're so glad that you came and we look forward to seeing you again soon take care bye Thank you.